the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, folks, the Lord is calling for nothing less than dealing with sin in our lives in a complete and a very radical way. This is radical stuff. If you are serious about following the Lord from your heart, and true disciples are, then you can't make a half-hearted effort in cutting out lust stimulators from your life. Lust stimulators. Now, there's a term we don't often hear, even though we may be surrounded by them. What's a lust stimulator? Well, lots of things can lead us into temptation. It depends on our particular weaknesses. Pastor Steve Kreloff will have some examples for us today as we think about how to fight against the kind of adultery that takes place privately inside our heads. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse. Pastor Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying the Sermon on the Mount, and today Pastor Steve is wrapping up a three-part message centered on Matthew 5, 27 through 30. In this passage, Jesus not only corrected our too-convenient definition of adultery, he prescribed a treatment for it that sounds absolutely brutal. I'm not sure I'm ready to pluck out my eye or cut off my hand. Well, that's okay, because he never meant for us to mutilate ourselves. But he does tell us that if we're going to overcome the temptation to lust, we may need to make some drastic changes in our lives. Listen as Pastor Steve explains. So what did Jesus mean by tearing out your eye and cutting off your hand and dealing with sexual sins? Well, we know that he couldn't possibly have meant do this literally. How do we know that? Well, for one thing, because that would contradict what the Bible says about mutilating your bodies. You're not to mutilate your body in a way like that. But also, and and primarily, we know that he couldn't possibly be talking about this because plucking out your eye and cutting off your hand won't solve a lust problem. All it would do is make you a one-eyed, one-handed adulterer. That's all it would do. (laughs) Doesn't really address the issue. The Lord is talking in figurative language. It's, It's hyperbole. A hyperbole is a deliberate exaggeration to make a point. Everybody should understand. Obviously, everybody but Origen and a few others should understand this. His point being is this, that sin must be dealt with drastically, drastically. Whatever causes you to sin sexually must be cut out of your life. That's what he's talking about. In other words, sexual sin demands drastic measures. Sexual sin demands cutting out anything from your life that that is keeping you from moral purity. Now, let's take this a little bit deeper and and try to understand why Jesus expressed it exactly this way. Why did he speak of victory over sexual temptation by using the language of bodily parts being radically removed, surgically removed? Well, notice the specific parts of the the anatomy that Jesus identified as being torn and, and cut off. He said it's the right eye and the right hand. Now, why do you suppose he put it in those terms? Well, First of all, it's helpful to understand that he spoke of the right eye and the right hand as opposed to the left eye and the left hand because most people are right-handed and right 
sided. And therefore, in the Jewish culture of that day, their perspective was that the right eye and the right hand were considered the most important parts of the body. I'm sorry, lefties, but that's what they considered. So they considered it more important to have your right hand and your right eye than to have your left hand and your left eye. So when Jesus spoke of the right eye, the right, the right hand, uh, he, he was saying that sexual purity demands that we cut out of our lives anything that contributes to adultery, uh, even if we highly value it, such as a right eye and a right hand. He's talking about what you cherish the most, what's most important to you. These are the things that, that are so meaningful, but if that's contributing to your sinfulness, then cut it out of your life. Secondly, he spoke of the eye and hand being torn out and cut off because the eye is the avenue by which sexual temptation comes to us and it stimulates our lust. And the hand is the instrument by which our lust is carried out. So what he was saying is that, that we are to eliminate from our lives anything and everything that leads to adultery and immorality. In other words, whatever causes you to sin sexually, get rid of it, cut it out, throw it away, tear it from you. That's what he's talking about. And and notice, interestingly enough, the specific word he uses to describe sin is the word stumble. That's how it's, it's translated. This word was used to describe the bait stick that would spring to trap an animal, to capture an animal who touched it. And so what he's talking about is, is this is the way you avoid falling into the trap of sexual immorality. This is how you keep from being captured by this all pervasive sin. You have to sever and completely eliminate anything from your life that contributes to that sin. Now, folks, the Lord is calling for nothing less than dealing with sin in our lives in a complete and a very radical way. This is radical stuff. If you are serious about following the Lord from your heart, and true disciples are, then you can't make a half-hearted effort in cutting out lust stimulators from your life. You have to go all the way and eliminate everything that's a problem. And you have to do it quickly, and you have to do it totally. You don't hang on to something, or you're going to get burned. You're going to get trapped. You don't say, you know what, I'll give this up, but I'm not giving this up. Then you're going to be trapped like an animal. You know, it's sort of like um, it's radical surgery. If you had cancer and they were going to operate on you, you wouldn't say, you know what, just leave a little bit there. Just leave. I've been living with this for a while. Cut out everything, but just leave a little bit. No, obviously you do that, you're doomed. Well, that's the way this is. Don't hang on to something. Give it all up. Cut it out. Now, in practical terms, that means if you're involved in such things as pornographic videos, magazines, and internet connections, then you have to remove them completely from your life. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And that means that you do it today, not tomorrow. You don't start rationalizing in your mind. You don't start trying to figure this out. You get rid of this stuff right now. And if necessary, if you can handle it, then you have to even eliminate television or at least cable from your life. And you might even have to get rid of your computer. That's right. You know, people lived successfully for many years without computers. It is possible. Or at least put some kind of block on your computer so that you can't go to a pornographic site. Or you make sure that you're never online when you're alone, that there's always someone else with you, another Christian who will hold you accountable in this area. It may mean that you have to cut out of your life going to a health club, do push-ups, sit-ups, It may mean you can't go to the beach because seeing women in that environment is a lust stimulator. 
The, the principle is this. principle is this. Whatever it is that causes you to stumble in your life, you have to remove it completely. Completely. Paul said to the Romans, make no provision for the flesh. Don't, don't get rid of 99%, but I'll hold on to a little bit. There shouldn't be even a little hint in your life. And you know what? Here's something we have to recognize. Now, there are certain things that are clear. Pornography is clear. Every, everyone should get rid of that if, if that's a part of your life. But it also, we have to say, this, this is not beyond that stuff that's real obvious. It, it means that everybody is different. Some things that you may have a problem with, others may not. Health club may not be an issue for some. Going to the beach may not be an issue. The Bible does not advocate a legalistic man-made list of sex stimulators to eliminate from your life. So I don't want you to hear me saying, everyone, get rid of your television. I said, if you can't handle it, get rid of it. Or get rid of your computer. If you can't handle it, get rid of it. You may be able to handle it. Don't deceive yourself, though. Don't deceive yourself. Remember this. Jesus said, if your right eye causes you to, to stumble, not if somebody else's right eye causes you to stumble. So don't, don't become the Christian policeman in this area. I gave up my television. I don't go to any movies. I don't do that. You can't do it. That would be wrong. That's going beyond what Scripture says. So there may be things that you can't handle. Others can. They don't pose a problem to someone else, but they pose a problem to you, and that means you have to deal with it. Whatever causes you to stumble must be removed. But, but don't be dishonest about it. And don't look at someone else and say, well, he can handle it, so I can too. You may not be able to. Now, I realize that, that these measures sound drastic. They sound extreme. They are drastic. They are extreme. This is the la- Listen, when you start talking about plucking out your eye and cutting off your hand, I would say that's the language of extremity. That, that's, that's extreme stuff. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, don't fool around with this stuff. You can't keep a little bit of it. Radical surgery. Anything in your life that causes you to commit mental adultery has to go. And the bottom line is this. If you are a true follower of Christ, if you really are, if your heart has been transformed by his grace, if you've been given a new nature, then you will be willing to give up anything and everything if it'll help you to have inner moral purity. Even if it's inconvenient Even if it costs you money, but I just joined the health club. Well, so what? Better to be righteous than to uh, have a membership there and, and save some money. As one Bible teacher put it, nothing is so valuable as to be worth preserving at the expense of righteousness. You get that? That's a great statement. Nothing is so valuable as to be worth preserving at the expense of righteousness. There's nothing more important than inner righteousness. So no matter how much it might cost you financially, no matter how inconvenient it might be, no matter how much people might look at you and say, what are you, some kind of a dinosaur from another era? What, what is this? Do it anyway. Now, that's the way a true believer will react. And, and that is how a true believer will respond. Whatever the cost, Lord, even though no one else knows about it, I will deal with this. But if you're a Pharisee, that's not going to be your response. If you're a Pharisee pretending to be a believer, then you're really not concerned about inner lusting. And, and I know, and you know, that you are not going to give up anything in obedience to Christ. 
You're, you're not going to do it. Instead, you're going to come up with all kinds of reasons to justify hanging on to these types of, uh, of lust stimulators. And quite frankly, I realize that nothing, nothing I can say or anyone can say will persuade you otherwise. I, I realize that. And by the way, that is why Jesus spoke of, of hell in these verses, about it's better to, to cut out something in your life than to, uh, a part of your anatomy than to, um, go into hell with all of your body parts. What he's saying is true believers will cut the stuff out. But unbelievers, pretending to be believers, will not. They've never been saved. They're on their way to hell. So I understand. I understand that, uh, an unbeliever will not do this. I understand that. They'll justify it. They'll say things like, hey, this is the world we live in. Get with it. Everybody does this stuff. I understand that. So for the remainder of our time together, I want to address the true Christian, the man or woman of God who desperately wants to have victory in this area of sexual purity. You can have victory. doesn't mean you'll never be tempted. You have to go out of this world to never be tempted. You have to die to never be tempted again. You will be tempted, but you can have victory over temptation. And I'm going to offer you some biblical and sanctified help to assist you. So you might want to jot this down. First of all, if you struggle putting lust stimulators away from your life and, and you say, you know what, I, I need something more than, than just doing this on my own. I'm real weak. Then what you do is you get an accountability group or an accountability individual, a godly Christian or a group of, of Christians who will help you. Now, what this means is that that individual or that group of individuals who you ask to hold you accountable, it means you're giving them permission to probe into your life. They can ask you any question they want. They can ask you anything. They can challenge you. They can probe into your life about your moral behavior. They can ask you what you were thinking about last night, what you saw on television, what you're reading, what your plans are, how you're handling this. They they can probe and even embarrass you. You have invited them to do that. You're a true believer. It'll be that meaningful to you if you need help there. And this is really consistent with the biblical concept of the church. The church is the body of Christ. We are to have others come alongside and help us. In fact, that's why in Hebrews 10, the writer says we're to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We're to come alongside of others and help them in every area of life and in, in this one especially. And in particular, if, they, if someone comes to us and asks them. So, so don't hesitate in making yourself accountable. You say, well... It's embarrassing to do this. I understand that. But which is more important, true righteousness or covering your embarrassment? Don't let your pride keep you from doing what's right. So that's the first thing. Get an accountability partner. And not somebody who is an ungodly kind of person who's just on the edge of their own spiritual life. Somebody who you really respect. Somebody who who you don't want to say. You'd be embarrassed to say to them, well, I no, I fell last night. So have somebody who it's going to be a little painful for you to, uh, to do anything wrong and know you're answerable to them. Secondly, if you want moral purity, then you're going to have to cultivate the habit of good and wholesome thoughts. You see, the issue is our thought life. Your, your eye just lets in things and it goes to your brain and you think. That's why cutting off uh, a hand or, or getting rid of an eye doesn't address the problem. The, the problem is our thought life, our, our inner life. So we're going to have to cultivate the right thought life. And you know what? That goes against the grain of our society. You can't watch. I'm not even talking about cable television now. You can't watch any television, it seems, and, and there's not some commercial that's going to have some kind of sexual overtone to it. 
So how, when we live in a world like this, you, you can't get away from it. What are you going to do? I realize there's always the mute button, but if it's not there, it's coming at you from some other angle. What do you do? Well, let's look at Philippians chapter 4. Now, this takes discipline. See, this does not happen just because you want it to happen. You have to put some effort into it. But God will always give you grace and strength to handle this. Philippians 4, verse 8. Paul says, and this is a great verse for everyone to, to know. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, watch this, and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Now, Paul says that you're going to have to make a conscious effort to think. The word dwell means meditate, think, contemplate. It's not a casual thought to think on the right things, whatever is worthy of praise. And that's, that is an effort you have to put into it. There's a discipline. The classic statement on this I, I read before, just before we prayed together, is Psalm 119, in which the psalmist said, how can a young man keep his way pure? I mean, he asked that question. How can he do that? By keeping it according to your word, with all my heart. And notice it's with his heart. I've sought you. Don't let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. The issue is taking the truth and treasuring it in your heart. Jesus said, whatever you think, that's what you are. So you've got to think the right thoughts, and that's a discipline. As I said, you've got to go against your flesh. You've got to go against a habit that you've, you've established. You have to go against the grain of society. Now, practically speaking, what that means is that you have to take time each day at a minimum to read your Bible. To read your Bible. I am amazed at how many Christians hardly pick up their Bibles. Sunday, they'll follow the sermon with us, but, but Monday through Saturday, they hardly read their Bible. How do, how do you expect to have pure thoughts? Read the Word. Secondly, you need to cultivate the habit of memorizing and meditating on Scripture so that when these thoughts come to you, you've got a backup plan. You're thinking on the Word. In fact, even before these thoughts come to you, you're thinking about it. You're memorizing Scripture. You're meditating on the truth. And you need to read good, edifying Christian books. And you need to be listening to uplifting songs of praise. That's the kind of stuff that fills your mind. That's the kind of stuff that, that when your mind's not drawn to something in particular, you've got those great songs going through your, your head. So what we do is, number one, we get some accountability. Number two, we cultivate our thought life. The battles won or lost in the thought life. The third thing you can do, and this is only for married couples, is... Listen, enjoy your spouse. Enjoy your spouse. There are some couples, sadly enough, some couples who have stopped doing that. Scripture, though, is very clear about this. Paul told the Corinthians in in chapter 7 that the husband was to fulfill his sexual responsibility to his wife and the wife to the husband. That's why Paul said, when you get married, you don't have the authority to say, I don't think so. It's my body. You relinquish that authority when you say, I do. And the pastor says, you are, you're married. You relinquish that authority. I have read in church history, the Puritans had a situation in which they actually were on the, they they didn't actually on the verge, they did discipline somebody because they were not having relations with their spouse. I remember speaking to someone about this, this very issue and had to address that. So, so that stuff goes on. That stuff goes on. There are some couples who have stopped doing that. Yet the Bible is very clear. Stop doing this. Stop 
keeping that pleasure from your spouse. And it's also clear after warning the foolish man in in Proverbs 5 against adultery, we read these words, verses 18 and 19 of Proverbs 5. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. As a loving hind and a graceful doe, let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. And the emphasis there is her love, not someone else's. Listen, the point is this. Be satisfied and delight in your spouse and only your spouse, the spouse that God gave you. And the temptation to lust after someone else will not be very appealing because you'll already be satisfied. Let's bow for prayer. The question is, what are you going to do with these truths? What are you going to do with the truth about inner righteousness, your thought life, your inner heart? If you're a real believer, you'll do anything to obey the Lord, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much money it might cost you, no matter how embarrassing it is, you will get this under control. And if you are a believer, you need to do it now. Don't start rationalizing. Don't start thinking about it. Just do it. If you're not a believer, and this is no real big deal to you because you know what? Everybody does this and nobody really knows about it. Then I have to say that you don't give any evidence of knowing Christ. Even if you're active in in some kind of Christian ministry, those who have trust Christ, those who have trusted him, respond by cutting out of their life whatever they need to cut out. Those who don't, they're, they're not believers. They're not believers. When you trust and commit yourself to Jesus Christ, he does change your heart. You're not the same person you used to be. You struggle with sin, yes, but you now have new goals, a new value system, new desires. And when you know these truths, you're convicted of them and you say, Lord, whatever it takes, I will obey. So if you've never trusted Christ, I I urge you to do that because you know what? All of us in our hearts are mental adulterers. All of us have committed adultery. The glorious message of the gospel is that those who are believers have been forgiven of that sin and every other sin because we know that Christ paid the price for those sins, that God punished him in our place. But if you're not a believer, then I I offer you the gospel message of forgiveness in Christ. Believe that he died for you, trust him to save you, and he'll forgive you completely your sin. And then you deal with these other things and he'll, he'll help you in this area. Father, I thank you for your word being so pointed at us. I thank you for being interested in our hearts. Lord, I thank you that you are not like the Pharisees. You are not like the ancient rabbis. You are not like hypocrites today who only want to look good on the outside or only want us to look good on the outside, I should say. You you want us to be right with you on the inside. And Lord, I, I know that every believer here wants that. And I pray that however you've applied these truths to their lives, I pray they'll act upon them. And I pray, Father, for those who don't know you, that they'll be convicted of their sin, that they'll be so convicted and drawn to you that they'll come running to Christ. They'll repent of their sin, they'll forsake them, these sins, and they'll trust you to forgive them for their adultery and every other sin they're involved in and every other sin they've committed. I thank you for forgiveness in Christ. And Lord, may we rejoice in your marvelous grace. We pray this in his precious name. Amen. 
Amen. May the Lord convict us of sin and empower us to joyfully obey Him. And if perhaps you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it starts right there. If you want to talk to someone about salvation, I'll have a phone number for you in a moment. First, though, I want to thank you for tuning in to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is guiding us in this series of studies about the Sermon on the Mount. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. And that's the place to call if you'd like to talk to someone about how you can know for sure if you have eternal life. The number is 727-441-1714. I'll have that number again in a moment. For information about Lakeside and the various ministries of Lakeside, go online to lakesidechapel.com. And to get a free CD with the sermon Pastor Steve just finished, call the church at the number I just gave you, 727-441-1714, and ask for message 4129, Adultery and Lust. Or you can listen online to today's broadcast or get caught up on previous ones at our website, versebyverseradio.org. There's also a giving link on our website if Verse by Verse is blessing you and you'd like to help keep these programs on the air. We're always thankful for those who pray for and give to this ministry. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. On our next Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will move on in this study of the Sermon on the Mount to some verses that are so challenging and potentially controversial that many Bible teachers just don't deal with them which is understandable since they've been interpreted so many ways. But those verses came right from the mouth of God, so we must deal with them. Come back next time as Pastor Steve considers Christ's teaching on divorce. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. <laughs> 